Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Edging On podcast. This season, of course, Edging On Doug's first movie, uh, where we take a look at Doug. I'm first sorry. Movie. <laughs> yeah, first movie. All right. Okay, redo. No, that was it. No, that nope, was that's the intro. That was the one. <laughs> first movie. Doggy first movie. Today uh-huh. we look at minutes thirty to forty, and we I know we said last last ten minutes was a bit of a lull, and that's because it was building up to this ten minutes where oh, yeah. everything happens with no gosh darn rhyme or reason. I was kind of shocked by how much the plot was barreled forward here. Yeah, so much happened in this ten minutes. I actually rewound at first because I thought I missed something. <laughs> I thought I skipped ahead. I, I give you a challenge. Go back through this ten minutes, minutes thirty to forty. Every time they say the name Swirly, take a shot. <laughs> uh, speaking of that laugh, it occurred to me that uh, I I fumbled the intro before I could properly introduce us. I'm Drew. I'm Sam. I'm Adam, and with us today we have have two guests. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Do it again. And we have the extra special guests. You know them from the hit podcast, Edging on Multiplicity. Introduce yourselves, friends. Uh, I'm I'm Riley Gates here, and next to me I have... Alexis. So what is you guys' history with Doug? Uh, It's it's all like a very vague fever dream. Like, as we were watching this (laughs) ten minutes, I kept, like... It's like, oh, I remember this character. Like, wow, this is, like, buried in my psyche. Like, how about you? Uh, you literally stole the words from my mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I, I remember this. And um, it's just weird that Doug is the only peach-skinned <laughs> beside his dad. He's so... It made me realize that he's, like, living in his own world. And he, he's just a, str- a strange duck. Yeah, yeah, he's just this awkward little boy who, like, just... A strange Doug. It's just creepy how he fantasizes constantly. It's... it's If you just tone-shifted it all a bit, it'd be a lot darker. <laughs> but by this pace we're going on, uh, we should have one fantasy segment every 10-minute chunk. If we keep that going, numbers are good, stocks are high. <laughs> What if that's the exact formula? We just nailed it. I, I don't know if it uh, kind of breaks the flow of things, but I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you've addressed it on the uh, the Doug section of Edging On, but uh, have you just guy have you guys discussed like why Skeeter is blue yet? Yes, first episode. We oh. yeah we we tried to figure out what the the reasoning behind it was. We had a, a lovely little discussion about how inconsistently. Uh, different colored everyone in this universe is it's not like simpsons characters like there are like entire groupings of people with a certain shade of skin color this there's like it's just they throw in a dart at a color board and okay he's blue all right he's magenta whatever oh, yeah, experimental so i love it you guys haven't talked about because skier it, actually has a purpose like uh, what's his name has a purpose uh, what, what do you <laughs> what is uh, of it? course Jim, he has Jim a purpose. J- Jim Jenkins, is that who makes it? Or made it? Yeah. yeah I love like, Jim Jones, right? Is it? Am I a dipshit? <laughs> no, Jim Jones is the Jonestown Massacre. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug is the story me. of his childhood. This is what led him becoming a mass murderer, just constantly being shit on from every possible direction. So like, yeah, there's like there's actual legitimate lore on why, the, like, why Skeeter is blue, which is weird because no one else really... Everyone else is just a color for being a reason, but Skeeter's blue for a reason. Like, <laughs> Why? Because, like, when he was a child, he went to, like, a park with his family in the winter, and he fell into the goose pond, and he it turned him blue. God damn and it, that's, Riley. That's, that's why he honks. Dang <laughs> 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 it, Riley. <laughs> you know, we're always here thinking we're going to learn something. I was really excited to learn a little something or other. We learned something about friendship and trust. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Riley and Alexis, did you guys uh, did you guys watch the whole movie in preparation up to this point, or did you just watch this ten minute chunk blind? We had um we had watched like a we watched everything up to the point we were supposed to watch. We stopped. I see. So we kind of had a bracket of the time we needed to watch. And then we 
We're like, okay, this is the part we need to retain for conversation. All right, I think that's a good idea because I can't imagine diving into this 10 minutes without knowing everything prior. I wish I did. <laughs> the boy's got a monster in the room. There's The dog's barking at him. He goes into his Native American teepee. He's a pre-reading <laughs> You're really giving the first 30 minutes too much credit for a backstory that it did not give largely. <laughs> it gave us that there is a monster. And that Doug is a cuck. <laughs> is he really a monster, though? Yes. You're right. Skeeter is the true monster. Skeeter created him in his backyard laboratory. Do you think the monster loves Skeeter because he's also blue? <laughs> He's the only other one. <laughs> That's actually why Skeeter is blue, because it's implied that he's related to the sea monster. Oh. He is the one who was looking for him at the beginning oh. of this movie. It's my little brother they threw out into the lake! <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a shade too dark, and they cast him out. They held up paint swatches, and he was just not the right hue. So they threw him, they threw him in like a Spartan child <laughs> into the water. <laughs> so I don't think um, the movie focuses enough on the real love story between Herman Melville and Porkchop. Yeah, how freaking bizarre. The first line, one of the first full lines we got, literally Skeeter saying, It's nothing, Porkchop, look! As he takes the helmet off a sea monster, <laughs> a literal sea monster. Like, it's nothing, just a monster. Don't worry, bud. <laughs> Early on in what the is- first ten minutes, uh, we get... Porkchop barking his head off at the monster. And as soon as his da- Doug's dad hears this, he says, Doug, is everything okay up there? <laughs> and then unfortunately his mom talks more, so we had to hear her voice again. Our oh, <sighs> oh. oh, little man. That is oh, a horrible voice. We should, play, we should play a game for the rest of the season where we count every one of her lines. We count, I'll, I'll, if, if someone gives me one of those uh, like clickers, I will count every single word that she says for the rest of this series. No, no, no. Damn, you know you- this is it. She does not come back in the rest of the movie. Really? There's one scene that she has no lines. It's when she, it's when she fucks the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I know what you could use to to count that the number of lines she has. You could take out your trusty Roger Abacus that you got from McDonald's. <laughs> what a great promotion! Really underrated. <laughs> Roger Abacus still cracks me up. So yeah, pork chops uh, apparently not trained to not bark at all blue people, just Skeeter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Doug, as as they're cleaning up, uh, just a heads up, everybody, so much happens in this ten minutes, and yet every tiny detail is going to be uh, skewed and weird. Half of the plot here is in the first five minutes, to be... Okay, well, half of the plot is in the first three minutes or, or less here, even. I wouldn't say so, because I'm, I'm going to introduce a new segment about the last five minutes. Okay, fair enough. Oh, hold on, real quick before we before we get too far ahead. Of course, I'd like to bring something to the table. In the last ten minute chunk, we have a little bit of a time frame here for all of this, all of what happened in the last ten minutes, all that happened in this ten minutes. Last ten minutes, Patty said, "Meet me at Swirly's in an hour." When she called Doug on the phone, uh huh. And then Doug says later on that he was late for uh, for whatever. For meeting her at Swirlies. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. And so what seems like a day or two is in reality maybe two hours, three at the most. So they you got to find- factor all that in. Everything happens in three hours at the most. They find the monster, and it's perfectly dark out. Like, like I was thinking it was at least 8 p.m. when they find the monster in the basement. <laughs> and yet... Like three hours later, when it's, he... it's winter, it gets dark early. Yeah, but but then Doug goes to Mister Swirly's ice cream palace, and there's still people there eating ice cream at like 11 p.m. You gotta get a tasty treat late, man. 
Drew, I'm going to debunk your theory. Latest it is is 9 o'clock. It gets dark. It gets dark really early in the winter. And I think that entire first 20 minutes of the movie, in fact, happened within five minutes of our real time. See, you would be correct, except right after when Doug gets back from meeting Patty and Guy at the dance hall, the clock on his nightstand reads 11.38. This is my favorite Ace Attorney game. Cut cut all this. Cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Cut it from the record. (laughs) There'll be be several minutes missing from the tapes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We got to get a little more chronological here. We're jumping around. Well, so we th- this is the sequence where we see that Doug is cursed as everything that could go wrong goes wrong on his way to Swirlies. Uh, not only is he is he cockblocked by a monster, a literal lake monster, but uh, what, what all happens? I, he he uh, rips his pants. Well, first he falls in the swimming pool and gets wet. Then he jumps over a fence and he rips the ass's pants wide open. Then he uh, uh, very carefully dodges a series of puddles, despite the fact that he's already been in a swimming pool, so at that point it doesn't even matter. Uh, Ding! And then uh, he just goes ahead and gets splattered by mud from a truck. Walks in, still dripping with mud, and she's gone. Patty has already left, and is very disappointed. And not only has she left, but she has left with Guy. Andy smells like monster. Yeah. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) He says that he smells like Monster Dong. It was very unsettling considering this is a PG movie. So he gets into Swirlies and we meet a man with ice cream for hair that we assume is Mr. Swirly. Riley, Alexis, give us your impressions of this man. What do you think? What makes What is his tick? story? Yeah. If, if you would uh, grace us with this. Well, first, before we talk about the man, <laughs> let's talk about the building. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would dream of going to an ice cream place shaped like an ice cream cone. Like how amazing is that? <laughs> well, I I got to counterpose it with okay. If you go to an ice cream place that's it's shaped like a giant ice cream cone. That's cool. You go inside and the man behind the counter looks exactly like the building you just walked into. <laughs> Are you a little perturbed? No, he takes time to style his hair. He makes the perfect swirl. I'm just saying that man he is does. that man's not sound of mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's not sound of mind, but he's he's sound of ice cream. He he's very tasteful. What's that Junji Ito story? I think it's Uzumaki where the entire town gets obsessed with the spiral pattern and dissolve devolves into madness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's the prequel. I love this take. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Where did the swirling smoke come from? The bodies that Swirly is burning. I think that it all started when Swirly was back in Vietnam. <laughs> he saw the helicopter blade spinning as, as the tail caught fire and it started crashing to the earth. And he said, oh, this right. is the symbol of life. This is the symbol <laughs> of death. <laughs> Man, this is all way better than my head. I kind of was thinking Jimmy Neutron logic, like it's all head. <laughs> oh no, that might be worse. So, when I heard his name was Mr. Swirly, the first thing I thought of was getting a swirly in the toilet. Which uh, Herbert Melville did in the beginning of this part. Yeah. It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. Herman. Wait, is that. What did I say? Herbert. Oh. Oh, if we got <laughs> Sam, now we got Riley. We're just canceling people left and right today. Yeah, it's funny that damn. you say that. It's funny that you say that, you guys, because uh, putting his head in the toilet and flushing is how he styles his hair. Coincidentally, <laughs> it's oh, full circle. Man, you, you think it fucks him up when he goes to Australia and he gets his do uh, mirrored? <laughs> he just he uses he doesn't unflip the front facing camera, so everything's fine. It just looks normal. I feel like Mister Swirly would be the most noticeable person if they flipped their hair the opposite way. You would have to notice, right? Yeah. We Okay, so we got to When the when the when the swirlies. hair when the hair flips the left, what does that signify? Cuz there's definitely got to be a meme. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm sidetracking us too much. <laughs> it's like the ear piercing thing. Oh, that's <laughs> <a good thing. laughs> Isn't it If you swirl your giant ice cream hair to the left, you're gay. <laughs> to the right, you're straight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Everyone pull up the picture. Put the picture of Mr. Swirly up right now on the podcast. Put the picture up. I cannot do that. <laughs> that is something I cannot, <laughs> I do not have the power to do. Yes, you can. You can insert, you can insert the way, you can insert the frequency that plays it on a spectrometer. It'll be really awful, but you got to do it now. Okay, we'll, we'll make the wave pattern, like, turn into the shape of his hair. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. So when you hear the very abrupt, scary noise for like a quarter of a second, you'll know what it was. So, Mr. Swirly says that Patty left a long time ago. Yeah. With Guy yeah. Graham, upperclassman who saves the dinky dance. Bang! Yes. Bang. Uh, guys, what is, Riley and Alexis, what is your impression of Guy Graham? Guy Graham Cracker. Uh, he he really rubs me conservative. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh no, you're right. Oh, no. He's friends with a uh, Bill Clinton politician. <laughs> <laughs> we thought he kind of looked like Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, you're right. He he doesn't he he's really close with the guy, you know, closer than Doug. We don't know how close he is with him. We don't know why they're <laughs> close really either at this point. Mm-mm. We find out because he's a, a class traitor. As Doug <laughs> goes into Fucky Town, uh, where they're setting up for the dance. Okay, stop right there. Let stop me just right say, there. they do not call it Fucky Town. I, li- <laughs> I listened to that clip so many times. Yeah, you. Were, I, I knew you were bullshitting. You are so I'm, wrong. You I'm not bullshitting. I don't hear it. Oh, you're not bullshitting. You're just dumb. <laughs> you were listening to the nostalgia critic talk about Doug. You were just grasping no, straws. You're the one who watches the nostalgia critic here. I like the nostalgia critic. <laughs> you guys are throwing some bold accusations around this podcast right now. Drew, I'm gonna get you some dog. ear candles so you can clean your shit out and hear more clearly. <laughs> Why is everybody always jumping on me? I heard. I didn't hear the end. That was all I said. And you know what? This is what I'm getting. So Doug goes to Fucky Town, and which has beautiful marble halls. He's covered in mud. His asshole's falling out of his pants it's through gaping. the hole. He's prolapsing as we're speaking. He's prolapsing. The monster foot picture falls out of his pocket. This, and this, along with guy all has the spaghetti. To go make a call. Yeah, he, guy picks it up and he needs to go make a phone call. Who does he call? Bill Clinton. <laughs> he picks up the phone and he's like. Hey, Quentin Tarantino, you know those new feet you were looking for? <laughs> How do you feel about science fiction? <laughs> I really am eager to talk about the scene where uh, Doug enters Funky Town and talks to Guy and Patty while they're setting up for the dance. Because Guy, as we've touched upon before, he looks, acts, and sounds like he's at least... 20 and yet he's supposed to be a junior high school student and so a lot of the things he says to patty in this scene genuinely feel like he's trying to groom her he says like you don't need to worry about that kid stuff anymore babe he calls her babe multiple times in this 10 minute show riley and alexis just for clarification canonically uh doug skeeter patty and a bunch of other characters are in the 14 year old range how does it make you feel uh, like, in contrast to why Guy is trying to slide into Patty's DMs, or just in general about them being 14? <laughs> oh, well, oh, I guess the first one, I didn't really think about much deeper like that. Okay, because it's, it's definitely fucking weird, especially when he's like, he's like, in order to get closer to this 14-year-old, I'm going to organize the dance for 14-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta keep in mind that, like, the, the part that sends you leaving off... As myself, a at max sixteen year old. <laughs> I think we all knew a guy like that in high school, though. Yeah. To me, it, he just comes off as the guy that wants to like seem, but yeah, like seem really cool and, and intelligent. Uh, He's like, I'm so grown up. Come with me in my tweed jacket. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had one of those. <laughs> I gotta count. One. Every school, every school has a Lord of the Polka, Alexis. I didn't have one. <laughs> if, 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 if you, you didn't, didn't have, have a Lord one, of the Polka, you were the Lord yes. of the Polka. Oh shit! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, shit, I was the Polka King. 
Polka King of the Midwest, baby. Every time a Lord of the Polka falls, someone else steps up to take the take the crown. <laughs> the freaking Green Lantern. <clears throat> I was honestly hoping it was more like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, but Doug, uh. Doug says to Guy and Patty that they have proof that Mr. Bluff is polluting the lake. What is that? Yeah. What what is yeah, what is the proof? There is monster. Been, there is no there has been no tie to Mr. Bluff other than a narrative. Which is very bizarre. <laughs> if you're not a kid and you're not really paying attention, there's no way to follow this movie at all. If you don't know how they it met- ends. The first time pollution is brought up is at uh, Mayor Tippy's house at dinner, and she just brings it up for no reason, saying, of course, Mr. Bluff is polluting the lake. Yeah. But, but now Doug just runs up, and he's like, we have proof that Mr. <laughs> Bluff is polluting the lake. He... Does he know what pollution means? <laughs> he doesn't know what a lot of things mean. He's Doug. He thinks that pollution turned his friend Skeeter into Herman Melville. <laughs> Doug is actually the backstory of Al Gore. <laughs> quick, quick callback real quick. Uh, Mr. Swirly. The name Mr. Swirly is also the name of a dildo. Oh. So. Thanks, brother. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll give him, I'll give him the benefit Dildle. of the doubt on that because I'll say he found it while researching. What, does it look like a fucking pigtail? Like, what? No, it's, got, it's like ribbed. I type. Oh. I just. I just shaped Googled. exactly like Mr. Swirly. <laughs> it is Mr. Swirly, <laughs> the person. That ain't hair, baby. That's pure silicon. <laughs> oh my god! Dang it! I, I really regret interrupting because we were about to have a really great discussion. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. Okay, so where were we? Uh, the pollution proof. Okay, Alexis, say poggers. Poggers. <laughs> we just gained a hundred subscribers. Oh my goodness! Well, poggers. Sam, you're not Alexis. Don't try to be Alexis. Sorry, Sam. It's a lot to live up to. <laughs> so then, Porkchop goes into the house and he runs to the, see the lake monster and start barking at him again. But the lake monster gives him a Valentine. So then they like start kissing. And Doug says, "I wish." I miss the barking. Yeah, but knows Skeeter... Doug is beastophobic. But then, but then Skeeter says something that might be one of my favorite phrases from this 10 minutes, and that is, and I have it verbatim, I think we've all learned something here. <laughs> <laughs> listen, what, Skeeter... what was the lesson? Oh, yeah, what, what's the lesson? Sometimes you just gotta let your dog just fuck, man. Mm. You gotta let your dog get that bone. Ooh, that's good. For real. Is it the slogan for dog sex? I think it is. Well, in the Valentine, the arrow was a bone. Hmm. Curious. Hmm. He, it's like he, but the monster boned his heart. Dog monster coitus confirmed. <laughs> in Doug's universe, all monsters are boning dogs. We cannot allow this man to be president. So after that, Doug goes to Doug and Skeeter go to school while leaving the monster in Doug's house. And I guess to start, I'd like to introduce uh, a new possibly recurring segment called Drew Plot Detective. Because (laughs) the chronology of the next three minutes is so screwed up that I had to rewatch this multiple scenes at least three times to figure out what I think went wrong. What's okay. <clears throat> so this is how the movie's chronology goes. Doug says to Patty, he says that they're having a press conference at Mr. Dink's house. He says, <laughs> we have something in the house that we can't show anybody. And so Doug has to take Bat- Patty back to his house to show her his monster. So, according to the of according to what he just said, he says that he has something in Mr. Dink's house that he can't show anybody. And so then <clears throat> we see that uh, Mr. Bluff gets a call 
that the monster is in a kid's house and that they have the address. So he mobilizes his troops to go find it. And then uh, the his private military corporation uh, busts in on a garage. And then they say, oh, we got the wrong address. Which suggests to me that they should then walk out and go to the, the right address. But uh, after that, we go back to the school where Patty then says to Guy that Doug has something inside of his house. And so Guy, who already saw the monster feet pics, then says, all right, I've got to go make a call. And then Mr. Bluff picks up the phone and says, what? Okay, looks like the monster is coming to us. I think that it was supposed to be that Patty says uh, to Guy, like, much earlier, that Doug has something in his house, and then the private military corporation owned by Bluffco was supposed to go out on their quest. Can we discuss how ridiculous it is that this man has a private military force of mercenaries (laughs) over a pollution (laughs) charge? Which, which as researched earlier in... (laughs) is a $250,000 fine for mass pollution. (laughs) This guy is a millionaire, if not in the billions. And he is so tight fisted that he will not surrender that 250 grand. He will not give up. Adam, you have the private military corporation. You're going to use the private military corporation. (laughs) This is the nineties. These guys were unemployed after the Iran Contra affair fell through. He's, he's employing them. He's doing good for the economy. See, that joke is historical, and it also makes you think, so I appreciate that. (laughs) I mean, he already paid for the private militia. Might as well use it. They're just collecting dust in a back room otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) I also love the, the leader of the private militia, that blue guy that looks like a Muppet, because after his troops report that they invaded the wrong house looking for the monster, he says... Well, think about it this way, sir. We now know a house where the monster definitely isn't. <laughs> At that particular time. So that, that the whole thing was irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> what, what, is, what is this guy? Is he like the commanding officer? Is he like the general of his militia? Is he given a role? No? Okay. I, I don't think we need one. I think we, it's easy enough to assume he's just an organizer. You'll have, to forg- you'll, you'll have to forgive me because there's so little explained. No one's rules are explained in this movie. They just expect you to watch the show. And I have not, at least to my knowledge. Well, Mr. Bluff doesn't have time to manage the goons. <laughs> He's too busy crunching lunches. Yeah, for real. I was so upset. Very inconsiderate. <laughs> that was like a oh. Whole fist right in the middle of the brown back. He didn't even apologize either. He just was. He just backed his hand off. He he ignored the guy when he said that was that's my lunch. I think Ooh. all of us can easily say that if we crunch someone's lunch with our bare fist, we would apologize immediately. Okay, everybody, we're gonna go around and everybody's gonna list one item that they think was in that lunch. I'm gonna start and say a cup of diced peaches. Sam, a very brown banana. Adam. I'm thinking one of those Capri Sun juice pouches. Pacific Cooler, to be precise. Ooh, Alexis. A tuna sandwich. You got the entree. <laughs> Riley, take us home. Two tubes of gogurt. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. We're looking at about $5 in damages that Mr. Bluff owes this man. Where is his recompense? Find out in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> where where this nameless character gets his revenge on Mr. Bluff, the main antagonist. Um, so I know we kind of, we jumped, uh, Drew, you covered that, the big stretch of time there where it's kind of f- fucking poorly put together. But um, there's a, there was a brief bit where um, Patty and Doug talk to each other in the school. And like, I don't know if this jumped out to anyone else, but Alexis and I looked at each other when it happened. When, when they go to part after, like, Doug apologizes for everything again, like, being late to swirlies and stuff, I don't know the exact quote, but she says something to the effect of, like, don't do it again or I'll brain ya. Oh, yeah. And we looked at each other because it's like, 
anytime I've heard about someone getting brained, it's usually in the instance of someone destroying someone's goddamn head to <laughs> destroy their brain. Yeah, that's some manslaughter vocabulary you're running around with patty mayonnaise. She served a dime at least with talk like that. Yeah, she served a dime in the underwater prison. We've been over this. <laughs> Don't be late, Doug, or I'll, I'll, I'll ice ya. <laughs> I'll kill you, you little bitch. I'll kill you. I, <laughs> I keep the glizzy on me, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard the word glizzy in so long. Too long. Too, too long. Uh, I, I don't want to see the glizzy, Patty. <laughs> oh, not the glizzy. <laughs> Patty, it's my turn with the glizzy. You've had it all. <laughs> Doug, you don't get a turn with the glizzy. <laughs> that was a pretty. I think you gave Drew a run for his money with that Patty voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hell. So somehow, Mr. Bluff finds out that Mayor Tippy is having a press conference to reveal Herman Melville. And so that. He found out because Patty told Guy who told Mr. Bluff. But she just said that Doug has a monster in his house. No, no. He said that there was a press conference at the Dinks and she should bring Guy because it's going to be big news. And then Doug, like an idiot, is like, yeah, you should totally bring Guy. Yeah, you should totally come because saving, saving the town from a monster is cool. It's way cooler than, than planning some dance. It's going to get me some totally wicked slash when you see this monster. <laughs> He's going to be wrist deep in that mayonnaise, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. no. Oh, adios mio. Speaking of mayonnaise, I bet that tuna sandwich had a delicious spread of Miracle, miracle Whip. Mm. Oh, yeah, is this really the good. fluffy kind? Now it just lines the Ziploc bag at its final resting place. <laughs> the, the thing is, the mayonnaise spurts out of every every side, so now it's just filling up the, the Ziploc bag, covering the entire exterior of the sandwich, so you can't even get the sandwich out in without a, getting a, your hands dirty. And in, a, and in a brutal twist of irony, Mr. Bluff tossed the sandwich bag and all, all the litter, into the lake. So this might have been the catalyst for Mayor Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> his pollution was just throwing in the lunches he smashed this, yeah, this scene actually takes place at the beginning of the movie as we discussed the timeline's a little tricky yeah yeah, yeah Tarantino was the, the actually the director of this Doug's first movie Yeah, that explains all the feet everywhere so there we go you learn something new and that explains why Doug is played by Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why he kept saying the N-word and no one was saying anything about it. <laughs> uh, so from here we go to the press conference. I want to live in the Dink's house. It's so good. <laughs> it's really wild. Got like chrome strips on it. My favorite. That TV room is immaculate. That is a fantastic little man cave. He has VR. (laughs) He invented VR. It was very expensive. Very expensive. Mr. Dink invented Oculus Rift. We're playing super hot VR in my living room, Douglas. (laughs) Come watch me pit bread men. My favorite part of Mayor Tippy and Mr. Dink's house is that uh, in this 10 minutes toward the end, behind Doug, you could see a picture of the two of them posing where they had like Caucasian peach skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And with the big Squidward nose. Yeah. It goes straight down. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Mayor Tippy, if you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> It's like the it's like the one person who animated that cell had no idea that the people in Doug had different skin tones. <laughs> yeah, they hired like an independent uh, animator just for that one picture, and they're like, "Hey, draw the dinks." They they've they probably just contracted it out. <laughs> they probably they probably have like a different team of animators doing the backgrounds and the foregrounds and stuff. 
head of the animation Maybe. department was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're really crunched for time. Doug's first movie comes out next week. We still haven't animated that picture. <laughs> <laughs> All we got is the voices. The voices were the hardest part. We have such talented voice actors, such varied voice actors, getting them all in the studio at the same time. The great thing about the residents is not only that they have VR and a man cave, on the outside, it's also purple, like Mr. Dink, and it looks like a retro 50s diner, which is amazing. Yeah. It's got a lot going for it. And Doug's house right next to it is just a regular ass house. For a regular ass boy. <laughs> regular ass dad. And that was actually the subtitle to Doug. Doug, a regular ass boy. But of course, the Dink's house also has a nuclear bomb shelter where they hid Herman Melville during that one scene. True, oh, yeah. Man. It matches the house though, which is pretty cool. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm very, I gotta say, I'm very upset that we did not get to the, uh, the entirety of the press conference because this is a gold mine of comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away as of yet, but it's, it gets pretty funny. Um, we may have, we don't know if we ended a little late because I think we ran over just a smidge. What was the very last thing you guys saw from the press conference scene? Uh, I went over four seconds, and the last thing I saw was uh, Mr. Dink and Doug trying to find it on TV and saying, it's not on any channels? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. We definitely went over, because there's... <laughs> ooh. We couldn't help ourselves. I mean, there was comedy gold. <laughs> well, we were, we, were, we were eating McDonald, and we, we weren't paying attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> This is the most touching part of the movie, I think, because they realized that they shouldn't expose Herman Melville... And maybe it's, maybe the world isn't ready for such greatness. This is the part where Doug shoots shoots the monster in front of everyone to show how cool he is. <laughs> Doug leaves the mayor out to dry, just like, hey, get fucked. <laughs> just like, like they, hey, hey, she she walks like we have a sea monster, and then Doug walks out. <sighs> well, though to be fair, Skeeter walks out and goes whoop, boop, 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 makes a million. <laughs> <laughs> sound effects does a little 80s comedy bit uh, I, I, I died internally I, I sincerely wonder we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but I greatly enjoy that all of the reporters gather, gather at the press conference look like extras from uh, Don Henley's Dirty Laundry music video <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious as to how Mr. Bluff was able to call off every single press newspaper organization Every affiliate of the press in the entire city. I, you figure that Mayor Tippy would have had like one person that would be reliable enough to just show up, but there's not a single person who's not wearing a trench coat with sunglasses at the entire press conference. That just shows the power of the super rich. Mr. Bluff owns this city. Okay, look, look at all. Look at the name of the town. What's what's it called? Bluffing something. I don't fucking remember, but it that's 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 his name. Okay. Did we ever figure out what it really was? We're, Bluffington. We, Bluffington. See, this I is the thing. It. We go so hard in the, with the background stuff that sometimes we lose a little uh, little traction with some things that are mentioned four or five times throughout the movie. The, this early section of the press conference is also brilliant because we get our ninth Doug fantasy of of the movie, <laughs> which, which was hyperbole. Uh, but... Doug imagines what it would look like if they let Herman go so as, you know, not to put him in danger for some coochie points. (laughs) Something that I think might unironically be funny for a minute is he imagines what he and Skeeter would look like on the TV and they're both like missing teeth and they're like, yeah, we had a monster, then we let him go. (laughs) I mean, we laughed. (laughs) But then again, they just, it's because they look like Ohio people. It reminded us of home. <laughs> so. <laughs> we also get uh, Skeeter admitting that he knows Doug has a problem. Yet he still will not intervene and tell Doug that he's, he's unwell. He is mentally unwell. Skeeter says, <laughs> You were fantasizing about Patty again, weren't you? You really need counseling, Doug. It's not healthy. Have you been taking your pills, Doug? Nine years ago, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Admitting you have a problem is the first step to solving it, Doug. 
but before that that uh that fantasy sequence ends uh doug imagined guy and patty yes. reacting to his uh faux pas of saying there's no monster and his imagination says that guy graham upperclassman who saves the dinky dance bang <laughs> Is then going to uh, say, see, Patty, I told you Doug was no good. Now kiss me while draping his arms around her. No, he full on like jumps on top of her. And she's like beginning to wrap her arms around him. And it's it's horrible. Alexis, who's your favorite Doug? Uh, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten so little Roger. Easy answer. Easy answer. <laughs> Why does everybody like Roger so much? Because he's such a fool and he's so great. He has the most personality. If you <laughs> stick him next to Doug, you get a whole, a whole ass spectrum compared to Doug's mana... Sl- slice of neuroticism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Roger's living in the now where Doug's... I don't even know if he's really friends with Patty at this point. You can't, conti- you can't beat Roger's childlike spontaneity. He's so great. He, we he's spent like the so first much charisma. I wish him and Skater were friends. Oh, blue boy and green man. <laughs> Together again. <laughs> we spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about how much we loved Roger and how much we hated Doug. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Why isn't it just about Roger? I would I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, just anyone but Doug. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to feel bad? <laughs> Oh, you don't, don't, don't tell her. Don't tell him. Oh, no, don't, don't do this. This is going to crush them. No, do it. This show is semi-autobiographical. What? Jim Jenkins is Doug. These are all about real people this guy knew and about the hardships he went through with making friends in a new town. He isn't even the main character of his own show. (laughs) Maybe he should have tried being interesting. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to feel extra bad when you... <laughs> you're you're going to feel really bad. He actually... <clears throat> in, in May, seven years yeah. ago, he actually took his own life. I can't tell if you're gaffing me. No, no, this was like one of those things. It was just like in the, the Dunstan season where we didn't know about Glenn Shaddix. We, we made like... A really off-color joke about him, and then we looked it up afterwards. We're like, "Oh no!" Oh yeah, he, it's uh, kind of true. Yeah, we we kept joking about how accident accident prone the character was, and then we found out that he actually um, had an accident in his home and died. <clears throat> and we kept joking that at the end of the Doug series, he was clearly just going to kill himself because he had nothing to live for. Do you, Do you think before Jim did himself in? He had a little wavy cross transition where he imagined himself, like, doing the deed and then everyone noticing his work after he was gone, like Vincent Van Gogh, <laughs> and him being hailed as, like, a great cartoonist, but <laughs> now here we sit upon this po- this this throne of podcast. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What? Was Doug written by Jim Jenkins or Jim Jones? I always get the two confused. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jim Jones killed himself. You, you drink some of this Kool-Aid, Patty. Sorry, that's just a little, <laughs> a little pronunciation trouble. I saw the twinkle in your eye. I knew what I had to do. <laughs> I knew I had to back you up. <laughs> so Jim Jenkins didn't actually kill himself. Yeah, he has friends that are way too good for him. Yeah, like, why isn't the show about Skeeter? Why isn't it called Skeeter? Let's be honest. Would you hang out with someone who, like, constantly in the middle of conversation stares off into the distance and, like, just goes comatose for a moment and then comes back and says something really fucking weird pertaining to a fantasy he had. Yeah, step on me again, Patty. (laughs) Okay. Which one of these came out first, Arthur or Doug? Because there's a lot of similarities. Probably Arthur. Arthur Arthur never came out. I'm I'm pretty sure Arthur's actually straight. (laughs) Got him. Take that, Doug. I'm I'm very curious. I I would definitely call this uh, borderline copyright infringement because the characters are the same. They are like <clears throat> they're on the same uh, wavelength, and they have these weird fantasy cutaways. They have the token best friend who is colored different than every other character. Wait, Doug and who else? And Arthur. 
But oh. but Arthur's friends are rabid. It makes sense that he's different colored than any everybody else. Don't grasp my straws. I'm trying Isn't to. Isn't Arthur also like decently younger? So it's a little more okay that he's so full of fantasy, whereas Doug is like, he, he's like in denial of the real life. <laughs> Doug sprouted his first pube, and he just resorted back to childhood spontaneity. <clears throat> <laughs> Wait, that was Roger that has the childlike spontaneity. Roger's bush appeared overnight, and then he never lost his, his childhood spontaneity. <laughs> Puberty came like a thief in the night for Roger, so... <laughs> it made him grow that leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's attached to him. He cuts the sleeves off, it just grows back. Roger created mechs. <laughs> what if what if what if Roger isn't the thing you can see, but in fact the being inside the casing? Roger is the leather jacket. Without the leather jacket, <laughs> it's like Frosty the Snowman's hat. Yeah, <laughs> you take the leather jacket off, and it's like suddenly there's just a child who has regained their consciousness for the first time in ten years. Is like, <gasps> make him stop! Don't put the jacket back on! <gasps> Oh, hey, blue boy! <laughs> Roger's jacket's an SCP. It's like it's like the mask from the mask. <laughs> what if? <laughs> oh my gosh, That's the mask! The Jim Carrey from the mask looks like Roger. <laughs> That's why he's green. That's Where's his childlike spontaneity coming from? The jacket. He gets the green from his childlike spontaneity. What a beautiful <clears throat> sentence. Speaking of being green, it's time for our, our closing segment, background character names. This is going to be a quick one. It's time the two feud. The two nerdy brothers that are helping to build the robot, the twins. I'm going to give you <laughs> I'm going to give you three options for what their collective names are. And each one of you has to guess the truth from the two lies. We got a good chance this week. <clears throat> Thump hey and Lump Kurtzen. Gauzu and Herzog Mull. Al and Moo Sleech. B. Yeah, One more time. Thump and Lump Kurtzen. Gauzu and Herzog Mull. Al and Moo Sleech. See, I would guess Thump and Lump if I didn't already know. I want everyone else to answer before I do, though. I, I want to say B, but I also don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> Sleech sounds downright filthy. It better not be C. <laughs> I'm going out clubbing to get some sleech this weekend, boys. Yeah, <laughs> if someone said that to me, I'd punch him in the face. I don't even know what it means. Hey, girl, let me, let me, let me see you that I sleech. just know it's not good. <laughs> Fucking Roger just has a revolving door of sleech in and out of his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, what's the answer? The answer is sleech. They are the sleech Al and Al and Moo sleech. Oh, uh, come on, boys! We're gonna go out hunting for Sleech. <laughs> Don't you remember Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire? They were they were the Sleech pack. They were the yeah. Sleech posse. <laughs> oh, Dios that was mia. that was the whole plot of oh, Great Gatsby. God. The two Tobey Maguire and Leo DiCaprio were out to get Sleech the whole time. I thought it was the Great Gashby. The Great Gashby. <laughs> <laughs> The more you say it, the more it means what you want it to mean. That's the worst part. There's a character in the Doug universe named Moo Sleech. Moo Sleech. I'm gonna moo some Sleech this weekend if you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's my secret That's sex move. I, I go think, moo into the Sleech. I think we found an episode title for this week. <laughs> if only it was Moo Sleech. Then it'd be a full Bond name. Never mind. I was going to say something, but it's, I realized how unfunny it is. No, <laughs> say it. You gotta say it now. Because it's, it's a sleechless in Seattle. <laughs> 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 Why would you hold back on that? Because it's bad. It's not good. The episode title, you mean? One or more. <laughs> no, don't name it that.
Don't, don't, I, I fucking will do it. <laughs> On a more wholesome note, is, is, uh, Skeeter's full name is Mosquito Valentine? Is it because he's a love bug? Aww. It's so cute. But no. Skeet. Skeeter's the best character. He's so cute. He's so good. On this wholesome note, I think now's a good time to end this, the fourth episode of Edging on Doug's first movie. I have been Drew. I have been Sam. I have been Adam. And thank you to our guests. Still Alexis. And I'm currently Riley. And thank, thank you, everybody. And uh, I can't believe it. You let yourself get dugged again? Oh! oh my gosh! You, we took a week off, so you thought you were in the clear, you freaking idiot. But nope, got it dugged again. Friends. They never learn. Time, uh, uh, on a serious note, <clears throat> a new, news from the Edging On podcast. If you send us an email at edging, edgingpodcast at gmail.com, send us the number of one of your friends, send us his cell number or her cell number, and we will personally call them. And we will let them get dugged. Help us dug your friends. Edgingpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to dug the USA. We're going to sleech it up. We, we also have a voicemail now. If you want to call and leave us like uh, fun messages, we might play some voicemails out in the show. It's 1555 uh, Get Sleech. That's 1555 G E T S L E E C H. You reached the sleech line, baby. I'm, I'm gonna dug the Pentagon. I can't think of a better way to end the episode. Just right there. <laughs> Cold clothes. Hardy. That was Edging on Doug. New episodes released every Friday. Tune in next week to hear us continue to talk about Doug's first movie in 10-minute increments. Be sure to like and follow to avoid being dugged. The Edgy On Podcast is a podcast started by Sam, featuring Drew and Adam. Original music created by Sam, featuring outro theme, family album by Waverider. <laughs>